hey, there we go, we're recording now. So just so you know, I just I only produce audio, so I appreciate you putting on the camera. It's nice to put a face to the, to the voice, but um, it'll only be audio format. Okay, don't worry. Um, now, you, your name is Greg? Yeah. And, uh, but you're, uh, so you're under your music, you go by Clint? Or? Yes. Clint State, is that the band name or, or is that? Uh, actually, um, I create, I, I've been making music for, for years. Uh, I'm a professional musician for something like 15 years now. And I had lots of projects, but um, under my own name. And um, some years ago, I lost my father. And um, I was in a very dark place, dark place, and I needed, you know, to start over, to do something else. And I stopped everything I was doing. I trashed all my pro my projects, and um, I thought what I need is a clean slate. And saying it out loud, I thought, okay, maybe I can use that and be it, be him, you know, for for a while, just to. Uh, Lift off the pressure and try something else, just simply. So Clint Slate became Clint Slate. There you go. Exactly. I was a little perplexed when I got your call and it said Greg. I was like, wait a minute, that's not that's not his name. <laughs> <laughs> How many are there in his head? Because we are very very numerous in my head, <laughs> and we As don't are most all of his creatives. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's okay until they start arguing up there. Then you start having issues. <laughs> and trust me, when they argue, they, they don't even speak the same language. Very disturbing. <laughs> I, I used to... Um, well, I, I, I tell all the time my wife that I have the minions in my head. You know, screaming oh. and arguing and stuff. Yeah, I get that. I get, I get that feeling regularly myself. <laughs> like I've always told people, it's fine to talk to yourself. It's even okay to answer yourself. It's when you didn't understand the question that there might be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I get never bored because we are so numerous and so crazy, so many crazy ideas that um, my wife is um, apparently I'm funny because when she gets back from work and I've been home working on something all day. So in the same room for 12 hours, I have so many things to tell her without moving. And she always tells me, how, how can you have so many adventures when you're not even moving from a chair? It's like reading a book. It can take you anywhere. <laughs> but you don't even need that. It's just all inside your head. Totally. And my head is a mess. I'm an artist. <laughs> Trust me, I can relate. So it's a uh, what is it about 8 p.m. over there in Paris right now? Yeah, totally 8 p.m. Good, good. Yeah, this is right after one o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon here in here in Texas in the U.S. How's the weather? Um, decent. It's uh it's supposed to be up around 60 degrees today. I'm not sure what that is in, in Celsius, but probably around like 15 to 18 degrees range. Oh, cool. Not bad. It's it's decent, but it's been kind of damp and windy the last couple of days. Yeah. We had snow uh, today. The first time this year we have snow. And um, actually, I hope that it, it, it won't last because people get crazy when there's snow. You know, they don't know how to drive anymore. And uh, 
and it, everything is stuck. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, yeah, same happens here. Every time we get snow or ice, we get ice storms more than we get snowstorms here. There'll be like three to four inches of solid ice on every surface everywhere. So driving is just virtually impossible. But um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but we do get some snow once in a while. We got some flurries a few days ago last week, and some areas like outside, just just south of me, a little ways, they wound up getting some accumulation of several inches. But it just snowed all day here, but nothing ever stuck. It was around 34, 35 degrees, so just mm. cool enough. The ground. Yeah, but actually, you have I was kind of bummed. You have real, um, real snow and real ice. I mean, here we have three. Uh, snowflakes and everybody's freaking out so you know if we had a snowstorm i would say okay that's real life that's that's the you know that's the man but we no, that's ridiculous you know <laughs> plus uh, nobody can walk you know on the sidewalk because nobody has uh, the the right boots because we we don't have that here we, we never have storms or very few so um People don't know how to react. That's quite That's fun to, to, to look at. Same way here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. It's We get some snow once in a while. We, we've had a couple of ice storms over the last few years, but we haven't had any real significant accumulation of snow in about six years now. So mm -hmm. when it does come, people are not prepared for it. So I fully understand. And, and at some point, you look at movies, you know, you, you watch something like uh, 12... Um, 2012 or uh, the day after and, and you think well these guys know how to, to walk in snow surely you, you would hope at least <laughs> you mentioned 2012 it reminded me of a, a joke I saw heard the other day you said uh, yeah we're, we're all gonna look gonna feel real funny when we realize that 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 guy that Mayan dude was dyslexic and he meant 2021 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. Sounds about right. After 2020, you never know. <laughs> totally. I, I feel so, I feel it's still 2020. I think we're still in uh, the the 36th of December, you know, or exactly. something like this. It's it, not a lot of. I mean, not anybody really expected anything to just magically change on January 1st. But at least we have some hope, you know, with vaccines and such. Yeah. Coming around. Maybe we can get something going and get back to some resemblance of normalcy. But as we all know, there are a lot of things that are never going to go back to where they were. I mean, I'm sure we'll have the like plexiglass shields up in the grocery stores for forever from now on, things of that nature. Yeah, it seems quite um, bleak at some point. But hopefully people in other parts of the world, like over here, if you wore a mask out in public, people were like, the hell wrong with you but you know in, in like some subcultures like in japan that was just common courtesy if you're sick you put on a mask because you don't help not spread your own germs and so hopefully mm -hmm. a lot of people here will start taking the cue from this and start doing that so we can help cut down on this cold and flu and everything else that goes around too yeah yeah totally out here it's uh it's a bit like everybody everybody else i think uh, you know a lot of people tend to respect because they have to um but not because of the right reasons. Um, so I, I, everybody is waiting for the vaccine because they don't want to. They don't want to make efforts, really. They they just uh, see this uh, um, 
it's a big annoyance, you know. Oh, we have to uh, uh, put a mask. Oh, we have to wash hands. That's, yeah, people, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've been taught to wash my hands regularly since I was old enough to know what hand washing was. <laughs> and that's, I'm like, Man, that's that's your cure for this? Okay, I've, I've been doing that all my life. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how, how about you, but sometimes I don't know how many people survived until this. No kidding. But well. So what's the lockdown situation like in Paris? I know uh, you know we hear on the news here and there about you know what's going on in certain you know parts of Europe, and I know that there was periods that started open back up last summer and then things closed back down. And so, what's your current status over there? Um, we have a new curfew. Um, we we're on a curfew. We were on a curfew um, uh, from uh, 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. I think for uh, for a month I think. But now it just changed um, and now it begins earlier. So it's from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And uh, I think I think we're um, we are locked down. The lockdown is only on the weekend I think and not everywhere. It's just rubbish because they, they don't really know what they're doing, just like everybody, but they they change all the time, so it's quite weird, you know. We had all the east of the country, so something like 20 regions that were um, that had a curfew, but not the rest, including Paris, where I, where I am, whereas Paris has the most people and, and, and the most movements and... Um, so that's that's not very logical. So I I don't, I don't know. And and people tend to uh, I know we French people seem to be very reluctant for everything. <laughs> we uh, we shout a lot and uh, and we make strikes and stuff. So um, people don't don't seem to trust the government actually. Not that much. I get that. We have a lot of that here too. I mean, as as was representative of Storm or. Moron storming our federal capitol building last week. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to date this reference, this this episode of when we recorded it. <laughs> I I, I uh, saw. To be honest, I, I'm not. I'm I'm far from the U.S., so I only see things just like you, I guess. Uh, you know, right. on, on the television or on, on on the internet. But I had the impression that I was in a Terry Gilliam movie. Uh, it, it, it sounded like a movie when I saw the images of the guys storming in the. It, it was a. Uh, I don't know. I, I was. I was really shocked actually. Everybody was. It was, you know, of course, giant national news here, and, and like the dominated all the news cycle for days. It's still a big topic, but you had, it, I don't know how they wound up getting that many people. I know how you know something will get someone gets riled up, a few people do, and then. The mob mentality kind of takes over from there, and it, people that normally wouldn't do such things wind up going to more extreme. Just like any time you have riots or anything in the streets, that's the that's usually the case. But I don't know how these people thought it was going to be a good idea to basically invade our, our federal capitol building and try to pull off a coup in this day and age because you probably expect that's not going to end well. Yeah. Totally. What I found very strange watching it live is that people were, were very smiling and were very, uh, how to put that, Disneyland 
you know, taking pictures and everything of yeah. of the capital inside the capital, and and you think, well, if that's a bit of a warfare, you know, it's it's a coup. It's, you you're not there to to do tourism. That's weird. And you don't go there because you look cool. Because I saw a lot of guys with what I call these guys. They, they, uh, I mean, I don't know. We're a movie. There's, have you seen Idiocracy? Yes. Yes. I, I feel I'm living in Idiocracy for years now. <laughs> You're not far off. I, man, that's that's a good analogy. And that it, instance from last week just kind of helps support that theory. Mm. My goodness. So, back to the subject of music. You said you've been creating, you've been a professional musician for a great many years now. Um, did you, is any of that, your older material still out there under your name, or do you did you kind of just pull all that down and start over with a clean slate um, protocol? No, it's out there. It's just that I don't really talk about it. Um, I, get you. Uh, I had, I have uh, two albums and videos and uh, some shows online uh, at some point. And but I'm the kind of guy that I'm always looking for the new project. You know, what's gonna be the big thing, the next one, the. Uh, I have to top the previous project every time, so um, I, I tend to look back, but not. I'm not that fond of it, and I, I don't want to. I had to go through these uh, these projects, and that's cool, and um, I learned a lot. But um, I'm very, I'm much more excited by what I'm gonna find out. I don't know tomorrow, the day after that. I don't know. See what I mean? I absolutely do, yes. So right now I'm promoting dragons, but my mind is always looking for something. So I'm already uh, thinking, well, I should be doing something else. So what should I do? So I'm <laughs> kind of, it's kind of, um, it's kind of, a, of an endless race, actually. Now, I know you're a multi-instrumentalist too. So, do you play everything on that on that album, or do you have some other musicians you work with, at least part time or something? On this one, I I played with a rhythm section because uh, actually I I didn't intend to do an album. It was the first lockdown in Paris, and I was depressed because all my projects were killed instantly. So. I did uh, record a cover a day during the lockdown, so I ended up with 50 acoustic covers uh, just for the sake of it, you know, to, to remain to remain sane <laughs> to a point. And then after that, after the end of the lockdown, I thought, well, I should occupy my time with um, uh, something I wanted to do for quite a long time is uh, to use uh, the cut-up technique that I discovered through... Um, David Bowie in the 90s, um, the, the cut-up, uh, in, in one word, is just you, you take, well, at the time, it's a surrealist, uh, an abstract uh, literary technique from the 1920s. Uh, it got invented by the Dadaists at the time, uh, where you, you slice, uh, you, you cut um, 
a page from a newspaper or something you wrote and then you paste back randomly what you cut so you end up with uh, new sentences abstract sentences and stuff like that and uh, Bowie used it and Tom York used it and I thought well I, it's been years now I want to try this I want to try to surprise myself and write something else and so I thought I have the time now and uh, I don't even have to have newspaper or uh, or write it because I just there are um, generators online now that you can find on the internet so um so I had this in mind and then on the other hand I thought I can't see any um, instrumentalist there are no musicians I'm I'm stuck at home and I don't have all my instruments at home I'm just with two guitars and and my computer and I thought okay I'll find melodies on the guitar because that's my main instrument and uh, record them right away and send them uh, to uh, to to friends to see uh, what what they would do with it and so I thought okay let's make it even more spontaneous and uh, so I gave uh, the, the the guitar melodies names code names uh, mainly from from the uh, I don't know the reverb or um, or the distortion I used in Cubase so uh, the first one was called dark and long because that was the name of the reverb uh, and so I sent them sent my friend the, uh, the the guitar melody with the BPM and just saying okay uh, send me back send me back three takes tops and not something that you would usually do and nobody would listen to uh, nobody would know what the others would do so uh the um, for instance um i would uh, the first one i received uh, drum tracks three that were different but i i misplaced them in the project so um it was kind of offbeat and strange and i thought that's wonderful and so i kept i kept the mistake uh, the bass player sent me two tracks, one melodic and one uh, a groovy one, and I kept both. And um, and I created the songs around the uh, uh, the editing being part of the composition. Is this way too long? <laughs> I think I lost you. Are you there, Bill? Can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, oh, you're there. Okay, good. Yeah, I was here all along. I was listening to you, and uh, suddenly my audio cut out. I don't know. It's, it's twice now it's done that to me recently. I'm thinking it's internet service glitch, but uh, hopefully it will get it won't become an issue again. I thought no, that I was actually just enjoying listening to the process there. That's interesting. So you're kind of like doing it. Um, you just never know what it's going to look like at the end. Everybody throws their part in there, and you mix it in the pot and see what comes out the other side, right? Totally. <laughs> and that that, that's the fun of it, cool. because I, I know how to songwrite. I mean, I know how to use my guitar and my voice and, and, and find something, and I can write a song in 15 minutes, and that's nice. But I wanted to... Um, I wanted to experiment, and I wanted to, to have a journey with the songs. I wanted to... I, want, I wanted to tame them. I wanted to get rid of my habits and find something that, you know, grows itself out of the uh, out of nowhere. In fact, 
That's a really interesting concept. I want makes me want to try that now. That's quite fun because, to be honest, I didn't know if it if it would work, and I and I never knew from song to song if uh, you know the uh, the water would run out of, or not. So um, uh, every song is different. I, I tried to put a flavor. Um, how do you pull that? I didn't want to get locked and stay, you know, buried in uh, in rock or uh, I don't know. I, I I tried everything just because one tiny sound would give me the idea that I don't know. I could use a flamenco guitar in in the middle of a progressive sequence, and that's nice because right now you get the feeling of ooh, I've got an idea. <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe kind of hard to pull off live, but who knows when that may even be an option again for a lot of people. I totally. But, but I, I tried to to learn my own songs, you know, um, for the sake of it, just uh, acoustically, and uh, that's quite fun because it reminded me of the um, uh, uh, some kind of monster documentary on Metallica. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I actually uh, have not seen that one, but I've heard about it. Well, the, you see them in the studio working on Saint Anger, and um, it's close to that because when they were uh, recording the album, uh, Hetfield was playing riffs and singing, but not at the same time. So when they went on tour, they had to learn their own songs. And I always thought about that because you don't always um, play and record at the same time. So. That some of some songs from from my new album I can't play properly acoustically because it doesn't sound right. I I, I put uh, harmonies and three guitars and keyboards and stuff and the arrangements are the song. Some work perfectly, so um, that's quite fun. All of this is for fun. It's just music. I've only recently started getting to where I can actually kind of somewhat play and sing a little bit at the same time, but I'm not a great singer anyway. That's why my band has someone else doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I joined that band. They already had an existing singer, unfortunately. That's what I was looking for. But I, I know, like, James, uh, going back to some of their older work even, like he, in the studio, would never, like, record them simultaneously. He would record his guitar parts and then record his vocals later. Um, so that, I can see that being an issue. You know, you, you never really did them both at the same time that much. You may have when you're working it out early on, but you, not in the studio you're not. So then you have to kind of like, okay, how do I play and sing this at the same time? <laughs> totally. And, um, but that, that, what's interesting is that I, I'm a... I'm a huge Queen fan, and uh, they, they put me into music when I was a kid. And um, what always attracted me with them is that they had uh, complicated songs, you know, structure-wise and, and uh, harmonies and stuff. But when they were on stage, they didn't have loops and tapes, and, uh, and, and they only had um, a keyboard player from 81 to 86 but up to 81, there were only four on stage, you know, piano, guitar, drums, and three vocals. And what was interesting is that they were rearranging all their songs just to find the right DNA, what makes you recognize the song when you listen to it. Um, and I always remain 
remember that when I when I play my own songs because I, I try to 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 not play the record but play what you seem to recognize as the song if you see what I mean and you went to sleep again Hello. Oh. Okay, we're back. You're back. Okay, good. Um, I don't know why that keeps doing that. Anyway, um, I, what I was saying was I've done that. You know, when you try to learn a song that I'm trying to think of a, a band that come, nothing's coming to mind, but some, you know, oftentimes I have. Oh, I lost you in the middle of the sentence. That era, they would have like three different guitar parts layered on top of each other. Oh, I'm saying like some of the some songs you know have like three guitar parts that are layered, yeah. and when they do that, you know it's you can try to play any one of those parts, but you won't get the feel. So you kind of have to listen to it and do exactly what you're saying. It's like okay, what what guitar part do I really associate with this section of the song? So you kind of like take and make a mixture of the three different parts as you, if you're going to just play it by, with one guitar and sing. So it, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, totally, and I, I, I mean, I, I saw, I saw live, real, real good bands. I, I mean, I saw Coldplay. I don't know, 15 years ago, and that was very nice. I had a nice evening, but that was it. That was nice because it was too close to the record. Um, I'm the kind of guy who needs to see the band focused and um, and trying things, and. Um, and I try to do that. That's good. A lot. It, it depends. Sometimes I've seen some bands that they they don't sound anything like the record, and it's not necessarily a good thing because the, uh, like either the acoustics are bad or they're just the vocals are just terrible or yeah. you know, whatever. But sometimes it's too much. Like you said, like it's too much like the album, and it's like I could have just stayed at home and listened to this. But it's nice to get you know a little bit of variation in there. Like the last time I saw Metallica was about two years ago, and and most of their rhythms and stuff sound real similar. But James does a lot of different things with his vocals these days, especially when they're old, from their older stuff. He he doesn't sing anything like he did you know 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And so, but then like when the solos, the guitar solos will come in, he'll try all kinds of new different stuff. So it's like cause, you know I've been hearing these songs for 30 years, and I know that solo by heart, every note of it. And but then it's like, oh wait, that's different. So that's cool. It's kind of interesting. I like to hear that. I guess for the band too. You, I mean, you can't play the the same song exactly the same way for thirty or forty years. You'd you'd get mad. So um, I, I remember one of my best live shows was seeing you two in two thousand one, and the the guys tried songs they didn't know and failed. And that was amazing to see because it was a huge arena. We were um, 18,000. And at the time, it was All That You Can't Leave Behind. And they had a song called uh, In A Little While. And they did it on the on the catwalk, just Edge and Bono. And what was amazing is that Edge didn't know the chords and Bono didn't know the lyrics. And they were singing the same microphone. And at the end of the song... Bono was uh, pretended to uh, to throw a nickel to uh, a coin, you know, to to Edge, saying, "We fucked this one up." Okay, and they they went back all laughing because it's just rock and roll. 
But in the audience, I really liked it because I was part of something um, intimate and, and unique and, and they tried it. And I tend to prefer something that can be flawed, but uh, that is um, honest than something that is so so, so neat that it's clinic, clinic or clinical, I don't know. Yeah. The closest thing I can recall to something like that was, uh, again, Metallica for some reason. This is, <laughs> I think it was the second time I saw them. They did a big stadium show in the Texas Stadium, the old one they used to have here where the Dallas Cowboys played football. Um, and there were literally like somewhere between sixty and 70,000 people there. It was a massive show. And James missed the show. He was otherwise detained. He... They, they said he hurt his back at the time, and I'm pretty sure it was actually when he was one of the times he went to rehab for alcoholism. But nonetheless, he didn't make the show. So they have five bands booked and the stadium booked, and so they had to figure out what they were going to do. And so, the, so Metallica's, you know, they were the headliner of this set of this uh, show. So during their set, they would have just other random people from other bands come out. And just had like a big jam session. They did some Metallica songs. They did some other songs, and it was it was really really fun. It was a it was not what I came to see, but I was glad to have been there to see it. Yeah, yeah, it sounded like fun. It was a blast. I mean, they had that guys from System of a Down came out with them. A couple of the guys from Corn came out with them. Kid Rock came out and sang a couple of songs with them. It was just they just mixed it up, and it was a ball. That's always fun when, when the guys don't know what to do. I remember seeing Audio Slave on their first tour and uh, the power went out during oh. the show. But what's fun is that they didn't leave the stage. Uh, you know, and, and the power went out on, on the beginning of Koshi's. So, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> the anti-climax. And, um, oh. and the drummer kept the beat because the the guys you know waved at him just go on go on so you just have this tiny drum sound that you hear from the guy and chris corner and the others were just sitting around goofing around uh, talking with people in the audience and stuff for 15 20 minutes wow. and um and when the power went went back it was amazing because the drum never stopped and uh, that was so cool. It was the best moment of the show, actually. I, I can believe it, yeah, because it was when they just roll with it like that. That's what professionals do. They're just going to roll with it. Like, all right, what can we do? And just entertaining the crowd while they're waiting for the power to come back on. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Ah, nice memories. Yeah, what was the last time you actually went to a show? Um, any scale. Um, last year, last year I had several, and I had several that I had to cancel. And uh, the last I, the last I went to was um, I did Sons of Apollo. Don't know if you know them. Um, with uh, Mike Portnoy from uh, Dream Theater, Bumblefoot, and um, Billy Sheehan. It's a it's a who's who of uh, progressive rock, and that, that was quite cool. Um, and I saw um, Dream Theater. You kind of have to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm I'm gutted because 
during the lockdown. Now I had to see uh, Aerosmith that I never saw. I've never seen live, and I still haven't seen them live because uh, of all this shit. Of course. So it's quite um, it's quite sad, and I and I had a lot of life plans for myself too because I'm I'm in two shows out here in in Europe that uh, that were on stage i mean we had um we had a theater with one of them and i had a tour with the other so um quite it's quite sad because i miss the energy of being in on stage and watching a live show and me too i'm um, back in uh 2019 i got really into doing a lot of uh, local shows, just going to see a lot of just local acts. And sometimes you'd have some national acts would be coming through town with some, like, not big major headliners, but people that were, like, headline clubs and such regularly and, and uh, on tour. So I saw a few of them, no one of, well, a couple of fairly big-name ones, but they always had at least two or three local bands, you know, that would come on stage and open for them and, and then other times I just go to like some little smaller local venues just to see local bands, three or four local bands playing, you know. So I was doing a lot of that, and I really enjoy that, and I'm really like getting into my local music scene, you know, with my fellow musicians here. But I kind of miss that. We are able to have some live shows again now, and actually my band has, we have two gigs booked, but they're not until March. So and actually they turns out on the same week, <laughs> two days apart. So that's <laughs> going to be a little tricky. We haven't gigged for months, and now suddenly we've got two in one week. So yeah, but we were able to do one show back in December on December nineteenth, right before Christmas, and that was that was kind of fun to finally get out and do another show. But that was the only full show we did in twenty twenty. Yeah, totally. I, I only won. I only had one too. It was quite weird because I. I mean, um, how do you call that? It's a theater show, a musical show. I mean, uh, where I play mu- several instruments and sing, and it's a comedy show. Um, we had 300 people in front of us, knowing that right after us, there would be a new lockdown. So we all had to run uh, for cover to our homes just when the curtain falls and uh, we had no time to rehearse uh, uh, that that was maybe the strangest live show I've, I've done is to see all these people with masks and uh, and us um, you know doing something funny without <laughs> um, without really having your heart at it but um, it was very cathartic I sang, I mean, I had notes I didn't even know I had because I was so angry, I think. It was very weird. I can imagine. That's, so you were saying you had to rush home because there was like a curfew? You had to beat the curfew home that night? Yep. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. That, that would be crazy. I never even thought about that. Trying to play a show when there's a curfew about to drop on you. <laughs> that was very weird. I had... we. We had three weeks um, where we could play because there was no curfew. But then the curfew went, and um, that was my week because we are several, uh, we are three on my roll. And that was my week, so I had one date only. And um, 
and knowing that we had nowhere to go after the show and that the show had to be shortened to uh, accommodate the curfew. So uh, it's very strange. You know, you, 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 you just finished playing and then you play everybody in the subway and you go home. And you're home at eight alone <laughs> after the, uh, the you know the bu alone with the buzzing of the stage and it's it's very weird it's very there's no yeah, other way I can't imagine that that hive coming off the stage you know that you feel and then like suddenly you have to rush home and lock, get in and lock down and you're there but it's, it, it seemed kind of anticlimactic I would think totally uh, it it was so quick I. At some point during the evening, I wasn't even sure I had played. You see what I mean? Seems surreal, huh? Totally. David Lynch, you know, making a movie on <laughs> on a concert. <laughs> oh man, you've come up with a couple of different movie ideas here just since we've been talking. I'm I'm, I'm going to look forward to seeing some screenplays coming out of you soon now. Oh, they would be weird too, I think. Well, the minions writing the screenplay are quite weird, you know. Minion Especially Lynch and, Kevin, uh, and right? Minion Spielberg. Especially Kevin, he's weird. And Bob, too. You know, those, those two. Banana! You want to be in a banana hidden in every single scene of the movie somewhere. You just have, that's <laughs> part of the trick of it. You have to find the banana in every scene. <laughs> you know, I, I saw the movie with my wife, and I I, I thought the um, th there's a scene where I don't remember who which one plays the guitar and plays like Van Halen. And I thought, that's amazing. I want that. Ah, I lost you again. Hello? Oh, you're back? I work? You're back. Okay, good. For some reason, it'll just mute me for no out of the blue. and. I think... I, I must say code names. I mute it and unmute it, and it works again. I I think I say things that offend uh, Skype. I think, you know, I talked about. <laughs> uh, let's try something. I saw a minion playing Eddie Van Halen on guitar. You there? I'm here. Okay. Okay. So, so that's so I not guess it. Skype didn't cancel us yet, huh? <laughs> no, because he's like Skynet. You know, he knows. We know. They are the all-knowing, all-seeing crap of the world, as said from Pot Club. <laughs> oh man. Um, and you run away. Yeah. Uh, you're. You're. Very far away. Hear me now. Yes, I think. And no. Oh, hello. Ah. Ah. Are we there? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. I'm starting to wonder if it's not this microphone. I've kind of I've swapped out, started using a different microphone than the condenser mic I was using early on. It picks up too much ambient noise, so I was switching to a different mic. Now I'm wondering if that, maybe that's not my issue. 
I'll try a different one next time. Go back to the other one. See if I still have that problem. Anyway, I was trying to wrap my brain around how weird it was to come home and at, right after a show like that. That just, I still just can't get over that. That is so weird. To be honest, I didn't want to do it uh, because just for one night, um, I didn't feel it. Didn't feel right, you know. Um, and being on stage was such a relief, you know, after a year. That that's the longest I've ever been far from the from from the live show. So um, actually, it was a, a nice shot, you know, of adrenaline. But um, I don't want to do that the same thing again. It's too weird, too strange, yeah, too frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just like oh, you can't really enjoy the moment that way. No. But I. At the same time, I feel like 2020 had me doing things that uh, had me do things I didn't plan. But I'm quite happy with the uh, with the album, for instance, and um, and all the things that came from the album because I it, it generated nine songs, and then I decided that I would do nine videos in, in the same way I did the album. So with uh, well, with what I have at home you know on my own and try to do something with it and um and then i met people on uh, on twitter just like you and um i ended up doing nine radio shows on um on german web radio uh where i can play songs that influence me and talk about them and introduce the new video and stuff and so, um, so 2020 wasn't that bad because I wouldn't have thought about this at the moment, I think, and maybe never. So, you know, a silver lining. Exactly. A lot of, and I've been saying this all along, that a lot of positives would come out of this. It's just um, you have to look for them a little bit more. And it's not just falling your lap. You have to be innovative and get creative on how you do things, like you've obviously done. You know, you been highly innovative this past year so kudos for that that's that was really quite an accomplishment thanks all that was going on i think i had no choice you know um it's too we're too we're too numerous i mean i, I would have uh, um what's the name of the guy in aviator um howard hughes oh yes 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 howard hughes yeah 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 my, my wife during the the first lockdown was telling me okay go shower shave you're turning award dukes now and i think it was a bit insane so i had to find a project to remain somewhat uh, human i think we all experienced a little bit of that too i know i went like way too long without a haircut but a lot of that was out of necessity because the hair salons were all closed down so yeah um, it yeah I think a lot of us experience a lot of that. I know, like especially during the first couple of months of lockdown, I, I was drinking a lot more than I normally do. It's it's not uncommon for me to have two or three drinks in an evening, but I would sometimes start, you know, noon. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> why not? I mean, it's I don't have anything going on, but like my my whole routine was off. I'd say routine. There was no routine. My whole routine was the fact that there was no, there wasn't one. 
Yeah. I might go to bed at two o'clock in the morning and sleep until ten or eleven, and then the next night I may be like tired and fall asleep around ten ten p.m. But then I'm up at like six and I'm ready to go, and then but then I'm something comes up or I get into the middle of a project or something, and I may wind up the next night be up until the sun comes up. You just it was so erratic. It's a bit like Lost. We were in the beginning of season one of Lost. <laughs> yeah, that's another good way of putting it. Where no one knows what's going on. <laughs> exactly. When it's going on, where it's going on. Who exactly. are you? I don't know who am I. <laughs> who are you? Walt! Walt! Where'd that polar bear come from? <laughs> it's the minion in my head. Run that's away. it. That's the one. <laughs> that's Kevin. That's Kevin. Kevin's the troublemaker. We know. We all know that. Yeah. We don't trust him. Never. 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 My goodness. Um. <laughs> I went to watch that movie. Actually, I had never seen the first one. I saw the second one first, and Despicable Me Two in the theaters, and took my daughter when she was only about four or so. My ex-wife and I took her, and. Oh, That movie was just hilarious. We saw it in 3D the first time, so yeah, it was just really quite an experience. I'd never, I'd been hearing about these minions. You saw them everywhere, the merchandising for them all over the place. But I finally got to go see a movie with them, and oh my gosh, I was glad I did. I wanted to have to go back and watch the first one, and then I took my daughter just a couple years ago when the new Minions movie came out, and we went and watched it too. It's just so silly, and I was I was really interested in how are they going to make come up with a storyline around these little goomers that just run around randomly like they do and they did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, totally. I I far better than the uh what was that one the uh, the emoji movie. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even try it. Yeah, be glad. It was an hour and a half worth of um, mobile app product placement. Okay. Wrapped Wait, around so a very very poor plot line. Oh no. No, the the minions. I like the minions, but just like I like the um, the penguins in Madagascar. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I've never seen those actually. Oddly enough, that's quite fun because it's the you know they're the um, the comic relief of the uh, of the movies, but they can have enough character to um, and charisma to to stand on their own. Right. I haven't seen that one, but I I can see that they're. Because they're, you know, actual voice actors, they have they actually do stuff. They have actual characteristics, not like mm. freaking emojis. I mean, like the whole plot line of emojis was like every emoji had one job they do. You had the meh emoji, and that's all he did all day, every day was just meh, and it was just bizarre. And apparently, this same universe exists thousands and millions of times over in every single phone. And if there's a problem with a With one, they just deleted. So they were going to delete the phone. So everybody, that their whole universe was going to be destroyed if this one emoji didn't do what he was supposed to do. And that was okay. the basic plot of the movie, and it was just like really, that's a little disturbing. And they were doing crazy stuff, like they were trying to get to the other side of the wallpaper, and they had okay. to ride the streams from Spotify to get over there, and just like it was ridiculous how they stretched these premises out to actually make a storyline. That sounds quite weird. It was very much so. And it's not very attractive. 
No, there wasn't much of anything attractive about it. It was just a train wreck from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, I enjoyed the Lego movie. I, I've never seen those either, any of the Lego movies. And everybody everybody just raves about how good they are. And yeah. Want to see, but I, for some reason, haven't caught them yet. Honestly, I, I really have fun because I, I didn't think I would, actually. But um, that's quite clever. And it talks to, uh, to children and to, to grown-ups, so it's quite full. It's cool. Yeah, it's what I've heard. Everybody I've, I've talked to about it at all has said they really enjoyed it. It's on the list. <laughs> there are two or three different Lego movies now, aren't there? Um, I think two and a spin-off on Batman. Yeah, the, the Batman movie, and then the, they worked a lot of Star Wars stuff into them, and all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. And there, oh, that's a video game with Star Wars Lego, I think. But I think it's um, a offshoot of that. Those characters from the, the versions of the characters from that Lego movie. Oh yes, I think. And they they even did Playmobil, I think. They do everything. Oh, is that? Yeah, yeah, maybe. So. I don't know. I forgot about Playmobil that they were even a thing. My daughter was into that <laughs> for about a minute, and <laughs> she, it was a short-lived, very short-lived thing that she had with them. She was already, you know, getting around eight or nine, ten years old when she kind of first discovered them. So she was already on the way out of dealing of playing with such, you know, kind of small kid toys and such. Oh, for uh, grown-ups like us, uh, there is one I enjoyed. I tried to figure out the name in English. I think it's Wreck-It Like Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. I've never seen that one either. My daughter has. She loved it. That's fun for grown-ups because it's uh, it's full of, of um, old video games. Oh, fun. Yeah, actually, it would be then. Do y'all have any of those uh, like retro arcades over there? They're, uh, they're really popular around here these days. Not really. We we had some, but not anymore. They've gotten really popular. There's several different. There's a couple of different like regional chains here that have several locations. There's one that's called Free Play Arcade. You pay ten bucks at the door, and all the machines are just free at that point. And they have they sell food and drinks and stuff like that there too as well. I'm cool. Sure bulk of their profit comes from the food and drink but and you can just walk in there and kids are allowed up until like, I think like 8pm or 9pm on the weekends and then it's adults only because you know, it's more of a, an adult alcohol yeah. you know, type place and you can buy beer and whatnot all day but they like to keep a more adult crowd in the evenings which makes sense but I've taken my daughter she's 13 now we've gone to those a couple of times it's so fun going in there and like seeing like Donkey Kong and Space Invaders and Defender <laughs> and all those old old games from like I remember playing as a little kid on the Atari. <laughs> wow. I remember I was I was like well I'm almost fifty so I was one of the first generation that actually grew up with video games so I got my first Atari console well, we got it as a family when I was like six and that was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm 43 and um, I had um, I don't even know what the name uh, Mo5. Thompson MO5, I think, when I was eight, and something you plugged on the TV, and uh, you could program, and um, and uh, you had games on cassette. So loading game took forever, you know. I and uh, a little 
there was a console here called the Atom or something like that that used cassette tapes. It was really bizarre. I, I think that's what it was called. I only had one friend that had one. They weren't that hugely popular. It was kind of in that little lag time when the Atari had been around for a while, but before the NES came along. Mm, and Nintendo yeah. came along, and that changed the game forever. Yeah, totally. Had one, had one too, with the uh, the huge. Um, I don't even know the name. The huge um, cartridge. Oh yeah, the big cartridges and pop in. You had to blow on them, you know, to uh, <laughs> to, to get rid of the dust. Yep. Oh man, that, that brings back memories. Yeah, we're old geezers. Now they're all discs, if that. I mean, like, heck, you get the Xbox or PlayStation nowadays, you don't even have to have a disc. You just download the game straight to the console. And think about how many flops you could make, you could um, put on a, on a flop, a floppy disk. Oh, wow. It would have taken thousands of floppy disks just to yeah. make one game today. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just mean, our phone now is more powerful than all these computers we had back then. The phone that we carry around in our pocket has more computing power than NASA did when we landed on the moon. <laughs> that puts well, it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, totally. But we can't all go to the moon right now, and that's a bit dis disappointing. It is, isn't it? Well, somebody needs to get on that. <laughs> I, we, when I was a kid, we were promised moon colonies by the time I was growing up. Now, come on. We need this. And we need the other board. I mean, I grew up with Back to the Future. I'm waiting. Yes. That and uh, flying cars. Yeah, too. Yeah. Flying Definitely. cars. It was just assumed we would have flying cars by now. We would be living like the Jetsons at this point in time. And now <laughs> looking back, you know, it's like as much as technology has advanced over the last 50 years, how absurd was it to think that we'd be that much further along by now because it, it seems like it was a rapid progression now looking back but yep but we're nowhere near where they would guess we would be i mean um what was it that it was a movie some sort of a dystopian type movie um oh it was mad, mad max mad max yeah it was set in 2021 yeah i saw the meme <laughs> the other day uh, uh, yeah me too <laughs> wow that, and I'm kind of glad it didn't go that way. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Because I, the, the clothes are not that great. I mean, that won't suit me. I'm not. I'm not up for it. Yeah, I don't. And all I this don't. sand. I mean, no, no. Yeah, I, I grew up in West Texas. Where I've seen my share of sand. <laughs> okay, I'm sure you're not familiar, but western Western Texas, up on the once you get up onto the plains, it's pretty much the same through most of. And up into Oklahoma and all that whole region, central region of the U.S. is just a big, flat mm. nothingness. It's yeah. just really bizarre. The trees start getting a little bit shorter, but there's still trees and stuff. And then you hit this edge, you can see there's just like this giant rock cliff that just undulates in and out as you and you come up towards it and you go up this road that leads up through it and up on top of it. And next thing you know, it's just flat nothingness. It is such a bizarre. It's almost like you just transported to another planet. Wow. I took my daughter out there a couple of years ago, and she was she'd never been out there before, and she was just in awe. 
how drastically different it is from where we live. Yeah, I can picture that. I've only been to the desert once. I spent a few days in uh, Oman. And uh, that's the the only time I went to the desert. And I was... Actually, I found it scary. I can imagine. It's, it's a crazy place. It was very bizarre to be in the middle of nowhere and hear nothing except the wind and the sand rolling. It was just strange. And at the same time, it was scary and relaxing. I don't know how to put it, but it's just feeling lonely in the loneliest place possible and at the same time, not. Very bizarre. Mm. That reminds me of when we were. I was in the Navy in my early 20s, back in the early 90s, and we we stopped being very near there at Dubai. But where the Navy ships, um, where the port is out there, it's outside of the city a little ways. So it's just a channel that was cut out of the sand, and they poured a concrete retaining wall, and all, all around it so ships can roll in and more off of this concrete wall but then the gangplank drops and the end of it's sitting on sand and when you walk off and you hit dirt and all you can see for as far as you can see is sand <laughs> there was a few little buildings off in the distance down to, to our right there where where we would, you could go down there to some of the service buildings and whatnot but ahead of you and now and back to the left was just nothingness and you hop in a cab's uh, taxi or a, a bus or something and you jump in and ride for about 15 minutes and suddenly this giant modern city just arises hmm. out of the sand out of the middle of nowhere and you've got five-star hotels and shops and electronic stores and just everything under the sun it's just it was so weird <laughs> oh yeah wow very talk about surreal at the same time, it's quite inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it was such an experience for me as I would think I was like, I was about to turn 20. Or maybe I was already, I think I was already 20 at the time. So I was really young. And uh, so it was a heck of an experience. I'm glad mm. I got to got to see that. Not someplace I would want to frequent, but it's nice. It was a nice visit. Yeah. And we, we were there during Ramadan. So that that made it even more bizarre because... When you're walking down the streets, like, there's no eating, drinking, anything in public during daylight mm. hours. So they, they fast during the daylight hours. But like, as soon as the sun just barely sets, like, every little shop owner and everything is, like, flooded out onto the streets to light up a cigarette. <laughs> 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 and they can, so they can smoke, they can eat, they can drink, and everything once yeah. the sun set. Discover some good food and whatnot while we were there too. It was, it, was a, it was a fun trip, a fun little stop there. So, you would rather call me, whether I refer to you as Clint or as Greg. I'm sure that's this probably in the very beginning. Whatever you want. <laughs> the, we both agree. <laughs> or Kevin or Bob or. <laughs> yeah. Also, banana. What, what, whatever works at the moment. Huh? Gotcha. So what's on the what's on your agenda at now after Dragons? I mean, are you working on a new project yet? Or are you just trying to get 
the word out about that one for now? Or what, what's coming on the horizon? Well, I'm still promoting it because I do everything on on my own, you know. Right. So I'm I'm my own promoter and stuff. And um, actually, it's a full job, so um, a full time job. So I, I I spend my old days, you know, looming on the on the internet and trying to find places and people to talk about it and make sure somebody listens to it. But at the same time, I have I've have another album that's ready and that's shelved for two years now and that's a concept album uh, with a story and um, and I, I wanted to do it like a movie or a series and I don't have the budget for it at the moment so I'm afraid it's gonna be my um, my smile you know like Brian Wilson it will never see the light of day for 50 years and maybe later I don't know so um, I'd like to finish this one, or I wanted to um, to work on something. On um, I did a song when Chris Cornell uh, died, and uh, I wrote a song as a tribute, but nodding to his style, his vocals, his lyrics, his songs, his bands, his everything. But not that's not a pastiche. That's uh, that's a tribute, you know. I, I'll, I'll let you listen. You, you'll see for yourself. But um, I thought then that it could be nice to do an album like this where I try to emulate what I like in artists I like. But that's a huge project because I have to dissect everything, you know, in Bowie, Queen, and, and whatnot. So um, I think about it, but... I don't have the time for the moment. And maybe I would love to do an album where I don't play guitar because guitar is my main instrument, so I have a lot of habits with it, and I love it. So I thought maybe it could be fun if I tried to write and compose without it. What would come out? Um, and Interesting concept. I like concepts because I like limitations. You know, I... I always thought I I tend to thrive within the box because I'm pushing the box. I I every time I I, I give myself uh, limitations and, and 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 barriers and frontiers and stuff. And the whole point of the project is to push them back. And that's when I start to be creative. If I if I have too much freedom, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't see the point of doing it. So um, I try to f- give myself a little constraint. It helps to have some direction to go in. I know, like when I, if I if I just pick up the guitar at random in the middle of the day, uh, just try to play whatever comes to mind. And you, I always default back to the the same old things I've been playing for years and years. Yeah. So I think that, like, what you're talking about, about trying to get away from the guitar to break those habits, that's great. Like, I can see where that'd be a, a big issue. Like, I don't I don't write a lot of lyrics. I've written a few here and there, but nothing that's ever seen a lot of day. Um, but, like, in my band, even when I go to try to, like, come up with a new riff or at home or whatever, it, I, I tend to get back in those same patterns unless I've recently been working on something, you know, and I'm kind of learning some new technique or something, then I'll 
kind of gravitate toward that for a while until I really kind of more incorporate that into my style. But you know, everything I go to try to write right off the bat, it sounds a lot like everything else I've written when I'm sitting down just doing a new, trying to do a new riff. And so it's, it's helpful to have something to get you out of that rut. But I get exactly what you're saying. And I feel the same. I mean, I, I'm afraid of writing the same song all over again. Um, so, for instance, there is a song on the album called uh, Systems and Batteries uh, that is, in my mind, industrial, uh, with a very weird uh, drum drum part and stuff. This one comes from... Um, I, I, I found a, web, a website uh, that gives you a drum or rhythm part uh, randomly every time you click on it. And so I thought, okay, I will open the window, click, and take the first rhythm part that comes. And this weird drum and bass thing came out. And I thought, okay, that's the game. What do I do with it? And then um, there is another song called uh, uh, Re um, Reconciliation TV uh, that I saw as a... Um, Televangelist Blues or something like this. Um, at the time I was um, writing it, the bass player sent me uh, uh, a bass line, but it didn't work, and uh, he had some notes that were wrong and stuff. But I thought, okay, let's take this bass that's basically from uh, uh, gospel thing, acoustic, Let's chop it and put it with the uh, drum and bass uh, weird thing. And then I thought, okay, for it to work, I will um, uh, distort the sound of the bass and change it. So I chopped it and, um, well, I, I put it in the same BPM as the, uh, as the drum part, of course. But then I chopped it and arbitrarily... Um, changed the order of the uh, chop the chopped parts, and it gave me another riff. That and you can't. I, I don't think you can relate the two songs. It's impossible because it nothing is the same. But um, so it's just to say that the song comes from this, and I didn't touch my guitar. My guitar came way after that. And the guitar you hear on the record, people think they're keyboards. Um, so you don't hear a guitar, but it's it's a guitar. It's not a keyboard. And then I, I added an acoustic guitar that I played once because I heard it in my head. And then I thought, okay, I don't have a, a song per se at the moment. It's just rhythm parts and stuff. But I hear this guitar thing, acoustic guitar thing, that could be a good counterpoint. So... I record it and then I think, okay, I will cut it in three parts, three different parts, totally arbitrary parts, and then it will be the structure of the song. And I did. That is the song. That, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. I, I mean, hearing myself saying it, I, I know it's crazy, <laughs> but, but what, what I try to tell you is that this, to be honest, doing this, even um, saying it now, it's thrilling because I wasn't 
sure what I was having, you know, what I was getting at the time. Every time I was doing something, I didn't know what the, the end result would be. So it was accelerating to suddenly hear this bass part from another song becoming the root of something else. See what I mean? I do actually, yes. And and I and I really love this song because it's it's totally weird. And at the same time, to me it was very important that I had nine songs that don't repeat themselves. I didn't want to have nine times the same thing, the same flavor. So I think I I think it's it's successful in that because I had 15 demos for the album but I didn't finish I, I think no I only finished nine because after the, the the ninth one I thought okay I will repeat myself now I know I will repeat myself uh, it's been two months I'm too focused I start to have habits even in this weird um, way of working and I don't want to repeat myself. So I just stopped and I thought, okay, nine songs is cool for an album. So let's go with it. Did you have the time to uh, to lend an ear to it? Pardon? Did you have the time to listen to it? I have. It's been uh, a little bit now. I don't recall much of it at this point, but I just have it pulled up again. So I want to go watch the videos now. You said you made the videos for them also. I want to go see that. Um, should I... Try to watch. The, are they posted in order on YouTube and the way you should watch them, or should I have uh, like Spotify so I can see the track order to watch the videos? On? Actually, I I devised two orders um, because I realized uh, the listening order is right. I mean, you can listen to the album like it is, and um, I always saw li uh, track listings as um, travels and journeys, so this one works. I mean, you have a journey with nine songs. But when I had finished the nine uh, videos, I realized the journey is not the same because the medium is not the same. And you, um, even me, I didn't relate the same way to the songs, seeing them or listening to them. And so I decided to put them on YouTube. Uh, there is uh, one new video every other Friday in another order. Um and that's quite fun too, actually, because it's it's another experience. It just translates completely differently to video than it in strictly audio form, huh? Totally, totally. I mean, um, at, at the same time, the videos I did, um, I I had the limitations that I was on my own, but I had I had visions. Because I'm a bit of a medium too, um, and these visions were colors, you know, and and ambience, and um, and I did my best to uh, to translate the um, the sound in colors. And uh, for instance, the, the 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 one I put online yesterday, "Dark Is Wire," the the song is quite radioed, you know. It's uh, to me, it's a bit like a, a Thom York and progressive rock and, uh, and a bit of flamenco guitar and a, and a nod to Queen and stuff like that. But it's quite slow and, um, and trip hop. So the video, I did something very trippy and very David Lynch. Well, to me, in my mind, it's, it's David Lynch. But 
I can tell you because it's you. But you you won't see it, but it's been um how do you call that? It's been filmed uh, like it was recorded for the songs, uh, meaning that I did, uh, I put myself in my bedroom with uh, with um, the the light from my phone, um, did a few takes, and then edited all of this uh, along with the vision I had in my mind. And I'm quite happy with what I got uh, with all these videos because I did with all the limitations that I, that I had. And I had a lot of limitations because I don't have a, mu a movie studio in my home. And um, I feel it suits the song. So that was, the to me, that was the main issue. So you tell me. I will, I'm going to go um, sit down and watch. No, they're not all out. They're not all released yet. They're on YouTube, right? No, uh, actually, uh, only four at the moment. But um, in the drive I sent you, you can find all the videos. They're all there. Perfect. I even did um, a trailer where I tried to uh, explain the, the whole concept in one minute. Um, all of this taught me how to um, do things that I didn't even know I'd I wanted to do all the all these videos, these uh, these visuals and stuff, and all of this is based on luck. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. Um, we were talking about composition and writing and stuff, and uh, and and getting stuck in uh, stuck in habits. Um, do you know the oblique strategies? No. Um, Brian Eno. Uh, Brian, you know, was um, uh, is a musician and producer. Uh, he was with Roxy Music in the 70s and produced um, Bowie for Heroes, uh, Low and stuff, and produced U2 for years too. And the guy is um, avant-garde and experimental. And the oblique strategies are cards uh, that he, uh, he wrote that give you... Um, not really clues or indications, but uh, I don't know. You're in the studio. You're not sure where, where to go with the with the song, and we, you will have a card with um, switch instruments, and so the guys will switch instruments and try sounds and stuff. You will have a card with uh, uh, I don't know. Um, close your eyes and go on one foot. I I know it's a, it's a bit far fetched now, but all of this is just to pull you out of your habits. And it's quite interesting. It makes sense. It'd be, it'd be a fun exercise to do like during a practice session just to see what we can come up with. That's what you two do. Uh, I mean, actually, you two don't really write songs. They're all in the same room for, year, for, for hours and hours and hours. They record everything. And then something will pop out, you know, uh, uh, a chord sequence, a melody, or something like that, and then they will work on it and carve a song, but uh, sculpt a song. But Eno, when he was working with them, was trying to sculpt the song, so they were in the in the studio with you know chords and stuff, and he was with a, um, a board uh, um, uh, showing them uh, uh, go to part B. 
for four bars and then go to part A, try it part D, stay on part D, you stop and stuff. And um, you don't have the time to think, you know, and to overthink what you're doing. So you, um, it's different. It's a concept I like to try. Um, see if the guys are on board with that. Uh, we do. We have a whiteboard. We do a similar type of thing, but we'll come up. Somebody will come up with a riff, and we'll kind of figure out something where to go with it from there. And that's how most of our songs get written. It's just one person who just comes up with a little something, and we build on it from there. And it's like, okay, that's part A, and we'll write like A, then B, then then like C for a chorus, and then like go back to A, and then but do like repeat that four times, and then jump straight like to the middle of the chorus, or you know this pre-chorus piece we're going to do here and we just we do the same type of a deal but we just come up with a bunch of riffs and then figure out how to structure them to make a song and then our our singer can just like come up with lyrics seemingly out of thin air for just about anything we come up with that's quite fun and that i think that's more interesting than just intellectual um work uh yeah, we've never sat down and write, written a song and thought, okay, let's start with like a, a one, two, six progression and go from there. <laughs> we, we don't ever do that. <laughs> uh. I wouldn't even know how to go about that. Like just actual like old school composition where you sit down and mathematically work it out on paper and then play it. I, I, I mean, I could probably, I could figure out how it's done, but I've, I've never actually sat down and tried to do it that way. I don't even know how to read music. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no. I'm a, I'm a self-made man on every instrument. I just watch and learn. I learned how because I was in band through middle school mm. and high school here for six, seven years. I played the saxophone. No, oh, that's cool. But that, that doesn't translate very well to guitar sheet music. It's a whole different animal. So. Yeah. To me, it's just dots on paper, you know. <laughs> it really is. And I've tried to like transcribe some of the stuff I was working on. And there's a there's a website called Note Flight. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, you can go on there and you can actually write out, you know, transcribe your songs right on there. And it's so it's really pretty handy. But trying to remember, okay, what's the symbol for this? <laughs> and, trying, <laughs> and then because I haven't done any of that in so long now that you know it's. It took me a while to get going, and just like one little one song that I had, like I had a basic verse, you know, a basic verse and chorus riffs down, and just trying to write those out and copy them over and create just that basic concept just for the guitar part, it took me days. <laughs> and this is something I already had worked out. I knew how to play it, but just trying to document it on paper that was the hard part. Just take practice like anything else, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Sometimes I think that I should learn how to write because I'd love to work with um, a string section and stuff. And right now it's a bit complicated to explain a classically trained uh, cello player what I want. So um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe find somebody that can transcribe what you're playing really fairly easily, a lot easier than I can. So you, some, somebody that knows that a little better that could easily come in and just watch you play and like, 
okay, and like this this note here, this note here, this note here, then they could they could transcribe that out in a matter of minutes, and then round up you know transcribing it to different keys and whatnot to hand off to the different string sections. That part's easy. You wouldn't necessarily need. You could always find somebody that could do that part of it for you. Yeah, maybe I should try that. Because I'm always hearing harmonies and uh, and melodies and stuff, and um, I cannot emulate everything. And I and I, I'm, I'm still a self-taught man, so I I have limitations about all this. But um, I'm, I'd I'd love to write an album where I don't play on it. You know, um, I don't know if you heard about that, but Beck. Uh, put out an album some years ago that wasn't an album, it was a songbook. So if you wanted to hear the songs, you had to play them. Oh wow, no, I don't remember hearing that. That's crazy. And I, I thought it was very fun because for him, if I remember correctly, it was a way of connecting with, uh, with his fans because they would play the song, but they wouldn't have no more guidelines i mean just the songbook just the score so you um, he said everybody could have their own visions of his songs and i i thought that's that's quite nice right everybody could play it a little bit differently and want to with their own interpretation totally without being influenced by the guy who wrote it yeah because they never heard it before until they played it themselves that's yeah that's that's really really cool i had I have to look that up. I never even didn't even know that was a thing. I don't remember no. what it, it was exactly, but well, Greg, we've been going for almost an hour and a half here. I think oh yeah, about ready to wrap this up here pretty soon. That you get on with the rest of your evening there. Okay. Do you uh, do you are you happy with what I uh, rumble? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This has been a great talk, man. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Cool. Me too. And really, the digging into the, the like, kind of nerding out on the uh, the process. I, I just, I really, personally, I really dig that. I hope some people that listen to this really get into it as well. I think the process is as much fun as the result. Um, and every song in the album had a, a different mood and, and, and process and stuff and uh, an epiphany hopefully to uh, to to end up as a as a real song and um and I, I just hope people you know uh, aside from the from the process and from the crazy ideas and and the screaming minions in my head i just hope people will enjoy listening to it just for the sake of it well in the description in the show notes that'll be on the website for this episode, I will link to your uh, link tree link that you have on your Twitter bio because I noticed I was just looking at it while we're talking here earlier that it has the links to your Spotify and your YouTube and everything right there, Apple Music yep. and all that. So I will drop that link tree link in there so everybody, whatever platform they prefer, they can they can find you. Go listen for themselves. Okay, great, thanks. And of course, I'll link up your Twitter and everything. Are you on Instagram? Yep. Too. Okay, I'll, I'll need to look you up over there too. I don't think we're connected over there yet. I have to rectify that. Excellent. Well, man, it's been a, it's been good talking to you, all of you, you, Clint, Greg, <laughs> Kevin, Bob, all of you. It was, it was good to have you all on. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, merci.
had to throw the Messi in there. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, talk soon. Have a nice, uh, have a nice day. Yeah, I shall. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>